Are you ready to go down the rabbit hole? The All Things Alice podcast will explore the cultural phenomena of Alice in Wonderland. Frank Bedore, the author of the Looking Glass Wars trilogy, is your host through a wonderverse of interviews from all types of creators as they chronicle the dark yet empowering reality of Lewis Carroll's fantasies and answer the question, what is it about Alice that captivates us still today? The All Things Alice podcast, available wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back to Decoding Dragons, where we break down all things House the Dragon. We're your hosts, as always, Liza and Michelle, and we're spilling the royalty and breaking down the fire for every episode. Yes, ma'am. So today we're going to be talking about what happened in House of the Dragon Season 1, Episode 5, named We Light the Way. What did you think of the episode? I was shook, okay? So some things <laughs> did happen differently than they happened in Fire and Blood. All the major, like, beats were still there, but they happened differently, and they sort of combined a few events. So first off, we got to see Driftmark and High Tide for the first time ever, and it looked amazing. And even Viserys, I think, was like, you know, as much as I spend time around the opulence of King's Landing, High Tide never fails to impress. I was like, you're right. That's how the audience was feeling. I was so, so right. happy to see it because um, Driftmark is one of my favorite, like, islands other than Dragonstone, obviously. And the Valerians are such, like, a prominent house. It was very cool to see their um, their seat of power, for sure. Yeah, I really enjoyed actually getting into the throne room, seeing Corliss's collections. So I'm basically going to call him Game of Thrones Nathan Drake, because I'm pretty <laughs> sure that's who he is. Because <laughs> uh, he had all of his little collections from all of his voyages and everything within the throne room. That was such a cool set to see. I thought so too. That is actually a really good comparison, because he goes on like all sorts of adventures. I even saw the crab feeder mask. I saw that too. Yeah. So that was badass. And we got to meet a new dragon this week. We got to see Maylees. Um, and Maylees is also known as the Red Queen. She is a she-dragon ridden by Rhaenys Targaryen. And it was so cool to see Rhaenys and her son Laenor fly into King's Landing on Dragonback. That was amazing because we've actually never seen two dragons in the air above King's Landing. I think, right? Because by the no. time Danny gets there, it's just one. And um, we saw Caraxes leave, I think, and we saw Cyrax fly in, but we've never seen two dragons at one time come through the Towers of the Red Keep, and I thought that was amazing. That's a really cool thought. I didn't think about it that way. Um, one thing I really liked about that was uh, Maylees and Sea Smoke actually had a lot of genetic uh, similarities to the dragons we know, like Drogon. Um, and all of Daenerys's dragons. So they had a lot of genetic similarities. I know they're trying to really distinguish between all the dragons in this series, um, but you could totally see how they were potentially um, uh, descendants, I guess, of these dragons. Yes, absolutely. And I've seen um, some friends have been sending me some information on the show overall, and they are actually creating different breeds, sort of, of dragons, different categories that um, serve different purposes for the um, Valyrian houses. So um, I think that the reason that each of them appear differently and have different like physical structure is because they were used for different purposes in like the, the dragon riding houses in Valyria. And also, um, fun fact, there, is, there were three eggs that were stolen in Fire and Blood. 
that were never recovered. And I think there's a possibility that in the next episode, we'll get a little bit of confirmation that those three eggs are actually, in fact, Daenerys' dragons. So no we'll have to wait way. for next episode to make for sure, like to see for sure if they are. But it's a really nice um, like thread connecting the two because someone stole three dragon eggs early in Fire and Blood. And then um, Danny recovers them from a similar place to where they were expected to have gone missing to later on. So I think it'll be Whoa. really cool to see that comparison and connection. But we'll have to wait until next episode, I think, to see if it's any, see if it's true, you know? Oh, I love that. That would be really cool if that is true. I think so, too. I think so, too. And we also had the wedding scene. So we're definitely going to get into it in our blood section and in our fire section. But Westerosi weddings are not the move. Like, you do not want to go to a wedding in Westeros. <laughs> Stop having weddings. Just no matter the royalty, the uh, noble, uh, honorable house that you're in, just don't get married. And whatever you do, don't get married in a closed room. Like you nowhere <laughs> right. with doors. You want to be able to leave as soon as possible if stuff starts going down. Because and the, they did the confusion so well because Viserys couldn't even see where Rhaenyra was, and the crowd freaking out had her pressed against a table or something. But it just Kristen Cole made quite a move in this episode. So we're definitely going to get into more of that in our blood section that we're going to jump into right now. All right. So first off, before we get into the wedding stuff, because there's a lot of tea to unpack in that wedding. That was so much. That was a messy wedding. Okay. So or it wasn't really a wedding. It was the festivities before the wedding. And I guess the wedding itself was much more subdued. But before we get into all of that, let's talk about Allison and Rhaenyra's relationship. How are you feeling about these two powerful ladies? So first of all, I just want to say that Laris, right, is a potster. Okay, we'll get into that a little bit later. But I do think that, yes, they're two very powerful ladies. And the interesting thing is it almost parallels... Um, like Rhaenyra and Alicent's relationship almost parallels Kristen and Rhaenyra's relationship because you have one person who feels like they're above the rules and they're going to be very um, rebellious and then you have somebody who's very honorable and who is a person who has worked really hard to get to where they are in Kristen's case right and then you have Alicent who is very um, faithful. She uh, later you'll see some costumes that has the uh, the seven pointed star on it. So she's very um, a goody two shoes almost. And so at first you saw them have a really great friendship, potentially a relationship. And now there's so many seeds that have been sown between the two that of were just not. They can't trust each other at this point. Both of them have lied to each other. Allison really got some butt hurt because she found out that Rhaenyra really lied to her a lot. Um, and then I think the the conversation between Kristen and Allison, I don't think she was talking about Kristen. I think she was trying to get it out of him that it was Damon. And then Kristen was like, yes, I did it. And she's like, wait a fucking minute. <laughs> oh, I saw it. I was like, no, Kristen, no, you always wait until they're done talking. Don't fill in the blanks. He completely filled in the uh, gaps that did not need to be filled. Exactly. I was, and he got himself into so much trouble. But okay, so I'm going to be honest, and this may change later, but when I read the books, I was 100% Team Rhaenyra, right? 
But now that the gaps are filled in on the show and Rhaenyra is making these decisions that hurt a lot of people, I 100%, I am starting to see why people are team green, okay? So I totally see why they're team Allison because if this is how it really went down, Rhaenyra hurt a lot of people really quickly. And I agree. I think Allison was trying to get him to say it was Damon, which is yeah. a whole other bit of tea to get into about this wedding, right? Oof. Ugh. And speaking of the wedding... Clearly, I was wrong, and I misread the situation between Rhaenyra and Kristen. It seems like he does actually have feelings for her, and they have feelings for each other. So what were your thoughts on Kristen's character choices in this episode? Because there were a lot of them. Yeah, there were a lot. I mean, some of them were really surprising. I didn't expect him to actually ask Rhaenyra to like run away with her to Essos and get married. Um, a lot of Kristen is very similar to Brienne of Tarth, I believe. Uh, with the honorable right so he's really he holds himself really highly to the um vows that he takes and he really worked really hard for his uh, knighthood and his armor and now Rhaenyra's kind of destroyed all of that like you can really tell that Kristen is very very conflicted about everything so he's really conflicted about obviously what they did last episode but now he's even conflicted about asking her to do that and she's like boy bye I'm not doing that and it he's was, that hurt that he, hurt me it, it was so sad because he got hurt like actually hurt and then he's like i'm a fucking snap and he snapped and murdered somebody and it was like he's going through it he had a he had a really rough time this episode because well in the books there's two ways that they proposed that it happened either she approached him and he turned her down or um, he approached her and she turned him down and i think that they kind of managed to find a middle ground here like, um, he approached her and he's like, you know, basically we can run away together. She's like, well, I am the crown. And it was dangerous in a way even for him to bring it up to her. So I'm happy she didn't do anything more drastic than she did, right? Um, but then she also kind of approached him with the proposition to um, have extramarital relations, right? So, and he's like, that's not what I want. Like, I want you. I don't want to be basically a side piece. And which I was on his team. I was like, I understand why you don't want to be a side piece. And I don't think she handled her turning him down very well. I think that she was super hurtful about that. And she didn't even ask him if that was what he wanted. You know, she just kind of put the idea out there. She's like, well, this is how it can be. He's like, but that's not what I want. And then they had their falling right. out. So with Joffrey Lawnmouth, who is Lenore's lover, when he approached Kristen, he um, was basically saying, you know, we can make this work. We just got to keep everybody's secrets here because it keeps us safe. And something about that scenario obviously pushed Kristen over the edge. And But we also don't see what Joffrey was telling Kristen before he snapped. We just kind of, everything's happening. Everybody's in the crowd. Everybody's doing all this and dancing. And then all of a sudden, um, Kristen and Joffrey are in their conflict and their confrontation, right? So we don't really know what he said, but I'm just going to assume that it was the complication of their like their romantic interest now that Lenor is involved with Rhaenyra. They kind of pushed him over the edge. What are you how do you think maybe that happened? Yeah, so that conversation didn't go the way I thought it was gonna go. I really thought Joffrey was gonna be a, a Joffrey and be a dick. Um and really start stirring the pot like uh Lares stirred the pot at the beginning of the episode. Um but then he kind of took a route that was more protective of everybody's situations. Like, hey, listen, we got this going on. You guys got this going on. We could make it work, like you said. Yeah. Um, this can still be a thing. 
And I find it interesting that that's what made Kristen snap. Because to me, I was thinking that's kind of sweet in a really twisted Game of Thrones way. Like, they're trying to look out. Like, Joffrey was actually trying to look out for everybody It was kind of like an I got your back situation. Yeah, like, we're, we're all exactly. involved now. I have your back. We're just going to um, we're just gonna keep each other's secrets safe. Like, keep the confidence confidential, pretty much. Yeah. And, I mean, we do know with Game of Thrones that probably wouldn't play out. Um, but I think in the grand scheme of things, I don't see what made Kristen snap except realizing, like, what he's done dishonors him to that extent and who he did it with and it probably all just piled on top of him in that moment because now who he loves is getting married and they're not even going to love each other maybe he was mad about that for Rhaenyra who knows but he really freaking snapped and that conversation didn't go the way I thought it would but it was still it was a Game of Thrones conversation that was like do I trust you? Do I not trust you? Like what's going on? And then Kristen just ends up killing him. Yeah. And I think that was a, definitely a situation of extremely projected anger. And I, unfortunately, yeah. like I said, we don't really see what they were talking about right before it happened. Like there's a possibility someone said something else, but the anger was just super, super projected on the wrong person. And then you see uh, Kristen later in the Godswood, he takes off all his armor and I think he's prepared to um, commit suicide. And Allison finds him just in time. And she basically stops him. And I think that was a very compelling reason for him to flip factions, basically, and go from Team Rhaenyra to Team Allison. Because she basically, she didn't tell his secret. She knows his secret, but she didn't tell it, right? And then um, she found him and kind of was there as a offer of hope like she stopped him just in time right so she was there for him at his absolute lowest moment when Rhaenyra was not and I think that is a very compelling reason for him to flip factions especially after Rhaenyra just ripped his heart out and stomped on it right so I am interested to see how Kristen Cole and Alicent now being on the same team basically is going to affect the story going forward and how close we're going to stick to fire and blood while also putting all the complexities in the middle absolutely yeah and i'm interested to see what rainier's thoughts about it are like we don't really know much into her heart right now um we know she's really conflicted as being part of the crown or being the crown like she said in this episode and i want to see if it actually really bugs her that Kristen basically flips factions and is now allison's bff um and i wanted to bring up the conversation between lenor and rainier on the beach because at first we are i was super wrong because i thought we even talked about it last episode of decoding dragons that we thought that that scene from the trailer was Lenor kind of looking longingly at rhaenyra like oh you know she's not gonna love me please love me um and you brought up the point that was kind of like eh, i think he's gonna be okay you know with not loving her rhaenyra is and not I didn't to his <laughs> taste yeah yeah, I did not catch on to that at all. But that conversation, so I watched the um, behind the episode after the episode aired, and the director, who is a woman, Claire, said it was a very modern conversation in like a medieval subtext. I think one of the showrunners said that, maybe not Claire, but it was yes, it was a very modern conversation in a medieval context but it was also a very mature conversation the way both of them handled it both actor the act both actress and actor were it was just really well done um i really enjoyed the writing of it i really enjoyed the way they acted it 
Uh, and both of them just came to this great conclusion that at the wedding, they actually seemed happy. Like it was, it's a very political affair. They could totally play it off that everybody's going to be happy about it. Um, and I th just thought that was a beautiful little seed sown into the, the chaos of the episode. I 100% agree. I think that um, Rhaenyra and Lenore actually had a really good friendship because, you know, they'd grown up together and they had a good friendship. I think they came to a good conclusion. They came to a good agreement there. And I think it was kind of going to work out for all involved in the way anything in Game of Thrones works out, you know, but I think it was going to work out for all involved. And then, you know, circumstances being what they are, things change. But I 100% agree. I thought that was, I thought it was a fantastic conversation. I thought they had everything pretty much figured out. And even in the more subdued wedding they have afterwards, it's, they, you can still see the friendship is still there. They're both obviously very upset, but it's not like a, I hate you now because of this expression. It's a, oh shit, I can't believe this happened. We're in this still expression, you know? So yeah, I totally agree. I love that his dad is like, he'll grow out of it. Like, no, he won't. <laughs> no, he won't. And yeah, that I think that was their way of juxtaposing the modern attitudes versus um, less progressive attitudes overall. Sure. So I thought yeah. that was a... Um, a way to kind of include Corlys's thoughts in the matter. And also it does add some conflict between um, the parents and their children. So we also see more of Lena. Speaking of Valerian children, we see Lena all grown up in this episode and she is gorgeous. So, yes. and we have some, I have some tea for Damon and Lena in our fire section. So shall we switch gears and get into the super spoilers? Yeah, let's go ahead and get into it. So I do have to say, when Damon walked into that wedding in the Red Keep, I literally gasped on my couch. I was like, oh, you are not supposed to be there. And I thought it was just going to unlock so much drama. It absolutely did. You saw Viserys' face. But I saw the funniest joke online about Caraxes every time Damon gets exiled. And the picture is basically the picture. It's like a meme with this guy's face of like a going... Oh, I can't believe we have to do this again on Caraxes' body, right? So every time Damon gets exiled, Caraxes is just looking at him like, I do not want to fly anymore. What are you doing? <laughs> Stop making us do this. <laughs> you know Caraxes is just like, boy, get your shit together. This, we've had enough of this. <laughs> I know. I, he's, I swear he's got to be so tired right now, flying all over the place. It's it's ridiculous. Damon's just going That's back so and funny. forth. That brings us to the beginning of the episode where we did get to see Lady Royce, which was hilarious because we just talked about it uh, in the last Decoding Dragons episode. But what were your thoughts on the show's version of the accident that happened to Lady Royce? First of all, I was weirdly happy to be right that it was no accident because yeah. <laughs> they just say that she you know she comes across an accident while hunting on her horse I think right so part of me was like yay I was right but the realistic part of me watching the show was like damn that sucks <laughs> so because I had mixed emotions because one you could tell there was no trust between these two and he's looking super suspicious in the middle of nowhere with his like cloak on like I feel like you should have known something was going to happen and I feel like you know the situational awareness should have kicked in and anybody else would have noped out of there so fast went the <laughs> other way found the back entrance to the castle and been like why would I stay in a ravine with you of all people right. ever where I'm totally alone and there's no one around and I'm just gonna like 
stay here on a horse that's faster than you and that's going to be what happens. So I was just like, I was happy that I was right and it was no hunting accident, but I was totally like, damn, that is fucked up with what happened. I do have to say that that fall was brutal. Like we watched it uh, twice just to watch the f opening of the episode and the fall off of her horse man it right. made me cringe like oh god that was brutal and then know, david was gonna walk away and just leave her and then she had to like get that last little bit in there um and i really appreciated that neither of them like each other like all we've heard is how much damon hates his wife and how she's just this terrible person so you have this thought in your head that she's some hag with like a giant nose and no teeth or some really nasty person looking person she's she was gorgeous she is hunting like she's doing capable. her damn thing Absolutely. super capable and independent and then she sees her husband and is like fuck why are you here what do you want <laughs> We both know we hate each other. Stay away, right? Right. <laughs> I know. I was happy we did get to see her. I was worried it was going to be like an off-screen death, right? But I thought it was a good way to kind of hit the major beat that basically now leaves him as a free agent, right? And he goes back to King's Landing. He does try to collect his inheritance, which is a mess that he gets himself into, but um, which is yet another political move, you know, now that she's gone, he stands to inherit what she had to her name. So... That was an important political move, but I think there's like, there's so much in our fire section to discuss. So there was so much lore and so many major beats. So hit me with the next question. Okay. So we still don't know the answer on the moon tea from the last episode, right? But one of our things was that we were saying that the wedding's going to have to happen really fast. And this is one of the first episodes that didn't have a giant time jump yet. I do feel like it happened pretty um, succinct with the last episode. So do you think Rhaenyra is pregnant? There is a strong possibility. I, I have to be honest, I wasn't looking for any signs of her being pregnant. I was very distracted by all the, everything else that was happening on screen. So I have to be honest, I was not looking for signs she was pregnant. But the episode basically revolves around that realization. And I did, I checked up on my lore, and I think as far as anyone in Fire and Blood knew, all three of her firstborn sons uh, were with her and Harwin. However, I am totally down if their eldest son happens to be Kristen's. Like, there's a strong possibility she's pregnant, and then we see the next episode preview, her older son is, you know, he looks like he's 10-ish, right? Yeah, I think it's a 10-year so, gap between the, this episode and the next one. Yeah, so um, I think it would be totally plausible if she were, especially considering basically her and Lenore's conversation about their arrangement. I think it's plausible if she were still pregnant. And no one ever said she drank the tea. They just said it got delivered. So I'm going to leave that one up in the air because I think if um, her eldest son, Jaceres, is actually Kristen Cole's son, I think that that would cause so much more conflict in the story overall. Like if... if um, their nicknames are Jace and Luke in Fire and Blood because, you know, Jesseries and Luceries. So if Jace is Kristen's son and Luke and Joff are Harwin's kids, I think that would add so much more conflict to the story. So I'm going to leave that one like up in the air for now. Yeah, and we got talking of a Jace, a Jason Lannister in the wedding. We got a little nod to uh, the conversation from like episode three with Rhaenyra. And he, I loved the look shared between Rhaenyra and Viserys after Jason Lannister stepped away. And they were both like, this guy. 
It was so funny. I know. I get so much early Jamie vibes from Jason oh, Lannister. 100%. Like it. I get season one and two Jamie vibes from Jason Lannister. I'm like, it's a nice nod to like our OG characters. You know, I thought that was super cool. We did get to see Graham McTavish again, who announced everybody coming into the wedding. So that was fun to see. Um, but the moon tea got brought up because Laris strong, right? He's a strong, he's yeah. Harwin's brother. So Laris approached Allison and stirred the freaking pot as much as he possibly could, like a little twat. So do you think he essentially caused the factions? So um, I I think the factions were going to happen regardless because of what Otto okay. told Alicent. He basically explained that if Rhaenyra does want to inherit the throne, the entire, all the lords and ladies of Westeros did vote for Viserys and they want a male on the Iron Throne. And now Alicent has a firstborn son. So basically what Otto was telling her is that war is going to break out because half the country wants one thing and half the country wants the other thing. And the only way Rhaenyra would be able to solidify her secession is most likely putting your children to the sword. And I think that that fear is what really drives the majority of Allison's decision. Because realistically, it's a very strong possibility because Rhaenyra has done very little to make friends. She, has done, she was known as the realm's delight, but she did very, very little to make friends. She did very, very little to make political alliances with the exception of Lenor. So I think everyone really knows a storm is coming. It was just a matter of how it happened. And I think that they did a fantastic job um, filling in the gap as to what actually happened that made these two ladies despise each other. That's a really good explanation and thought process on that. Uh, I do have to say about the Otto and Allison conversation towards the beginning of the episode was really powerful. And I know a lot of people were kind of comparing Otto to Tywin Lannister at the beginning of the series and when the trailers were released. But I do have to say he has less Tywin vibes because he actually truly thinks what he's doing is right. And Tywin was just twisted or is twisted and more uh, super morally gray. Yeah, and doing everything for the family, but Otto truly thinks he is being honorable. And I have to say, as a mother of a son myself, if somebody were to come to me and be like, hey, you got to watch out for this girl, to, girl otherwise they're going to kill your son, you better bet I'm going to find out everything possible if, if I can trust her or not. Don't come around my child. So I do see why Allison is starting to really get a backbone against Rhaenyra. Um, there's a lot of maturity that happened. There's a lot of space between episodes one and five now. And man, when she came out in that green dress and was like, hi, stepdaughter. It's like, oh, oh, that hurt. <laughs> there was venom in that look. And I love that note where it's like, do you know what color the high tower burns when it's calling its banners to war? And they were like, Harwin's like green. <laughs> green. But I love that note. It was, that was so powerful. And Allison and Cersei are compared online, but I don't think that they're the same. I think their motivations are somewhat different, but you could see a lot of, um, Cersei energy and like the venom she delivered that it must be such a blessing for you I was like pull the dagger out your heart Rhaenyra that hurt right man when right? she came up and she's like congratulations stepdaughter and Rhaenyra's oh. like girl oh. what happened <laughs> and you know that you know that sinking feeling you get in your stomach when you know someone knows I think Rhaenyra got that sinking feeling she's like 
oh shit <laughs> she yes. knows and we keep getting little Harwin nods because we brought it up in the last episode too. But then this one, when her, when he's looking at um, the hand of the king now, and he like nods to Harwin, like, go get Rhaenyra during this big fight and all the chaos going on at the wedding. And she's like, put me down! <laughs> no, I thought that was fantastic. Because first of all, crowds are... Distressed crowds of people are very dangerous. And you can 100% get crushed and oppressed and get very injured. So I I thought I thought that little bit was fantastic where Harwin like swoops in, grabs her, runs yeah. out, and Rhaenyra is safe. I very much I very much enjoyed that. I was like, I'm just I'm sitting here just appreciating whatever Harwin Rhaenyra we can get at this moment. I don't know how much we're gonna have, so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna appreciate what we can get. <laughs> Well, there's so much to break down from a wedding, obviously, because we can't stop talking about it. But we did have Damon and Lena. So Lena, like we mentioned earlier, she just looks amazing. Um, but she really got headstrong and came on to Damon, which is really interesting. What do you think about that? First of all, Lena is gorgeous. And I yes. think so her and Damon actually, big spoilers, people, because we're in the fire section. Her and Damon get married. And um, they have, I think that they have two daughters together. I want to say that they have twins. Um, internet, correct me if I'm wrong, but I want to say that their first two daughters are twins, or at least very, very close in age. But um, Damon and Lena get married, and I believe that Damon and Lena and Rhaenyra were actually um, friendly. I'm always, I've always wondered if there was something in between the lines on the friendly term right there. But um, they um, get along really well, if I remember correctly, from the books. And so we see a little bit of that also in the next episode preview where um, you see Lena talking to Damon. And I won't scream into the microphone right now, but you get to see Lena on Vagar, which is the biggest living dragon at that time. And just the wing like the the wingspan and how small Lena is in that saddle. I cannot wait for next episode, but I can't scream in the mic because I don't want to deafen anybody. Right? I don't. <laughs> I don't want to. Oh, um, that's gonna be so cool. It's gonna be amazing. So we also got to see Damon almost kiss Rhaenyra because she was calling his bluff? Question mark. Talking <laughs> shit? Right. Question mark in High Valyrian. So. I really think Damon was legit about to call her bluff and be like, you want me to do it? I'll do it in front of everybody. And Viserys, they cut to Viserys' face and he's like, so all of it was true. I believe my daughter and all of it was true because there's no mistaking that moment, right? You can't get away from and explain away that bit of, is it chemistry? Intimacy. I don't know how to feel about it. <laughs> Intimacy. Thank you. I don't want to call it chemistry right now. I want to wait till later and see what happens. But there's no mistaking that moment. And I think this the, the realization just slammed into Viserys that um, it was true. Like, it was 100% true. And he did, you know, he was trying to cover for Rhaenyra, but she's been out here making a mess of many things. I love when he's just staring into the crowd and he's like, I can't see them. What are they doing? What's going on? And he's so over it. When Damon comes strutting into the red keep, you could just see like everything come, like he just deflates and he's like, okay. And then Allison comes in, interrupts him again. And then he's just like, fuck, I'm over this. <laughs> I know. And random side tangent, I'll keep it super short, but I am having a fantastic time uh, with the Targaryen clothing. Like it is nice seeing the yes. finery. It's intimidating, like the black and the red, like the long capes and the um, 
I do not know what the leather shirts are called. I'm so sorry. But the like the red leather on the shirt, it's intimidating, right? And you see, like, even though Viserys is getting ill, like, the cape that he wears when he goes to high tide and, like, the um, way his outfit, like, he's, it's still, you know, an intimidating figure. And I'm just like, we didn't get to see any of this until later episodes with Danny, so it's nice seeing the finery. But speaking of being able to see Vagar in the next episode preview, we are about to get into the shit in this next episode if I am correct in my predictions. So let's jump into our dragon dreams and I'm going to see if I can get it right because I watched it like three times, so I'm going to try to get it right. Okay. So we have achieved the King of the Narrow Sea, and I think that we basically saw um, the faction break happen. I think even though Rhaenyra was not wearing her red dress, Alicent made a statement in that green dress. So I think we basically saw the green dress moment happen. So we now have our factions. I believe we've got the Alicent faction and the Rhaenyra faction, and we have seen Rhaenyra and Laenor get married amidst blood, not fire, but amidst blood. So the next steps here are um, Damon and Lena get married, and we see a little bit of that in the next episode preview because there looks to be a, a big time jump again between this episode and the next one. So we see some of that, and Rhaenyra has, I believe we see all three of her sons in the next episode preview. So you've got Jaceres, Lucerys, and Joffrey. But we like this Joffrey. He's not the horrible Joffrey, okay? Like, he's not the... Every time I say the name Joffrey, I'm just like, ugh. But this one is a good one. We're going to stick with the good Joffrey this time. So, and um, the nicknames for her kids, um, which you might hear on the show, are Jace, Luke, and Joff. So you'll probably hear us discuss, uh, discussing them, you know, with their nicknames. So, and according to the lore, their father is Harwin Strong, but there is a possibility that Jace's dad is Kristen. So we're going to wait and see, like, the extreme tea that's going to happen because I re- Okay, I was a total nerd and I rewatched the preview on, like, point twenty five speed on YouTube. And Harwin is beating Kristen, I think, in the brawl. So what happens is, I believe, um, it looks like they're in a training yard in the show, but someone calls Rhaenyra's children Strongs, right? Which is a huge, scary thing to happen because, basically, they're not her true-born sons in the way that the Times and Westeros see it. So that's how the brawl breaks out, and I think that's why Harwin is um, beating Kristen, I think, because like, I think someone had to pull Harwin off of him. And I believe Harwin actually gets dismissed because of the brawl, and um, he's sent back to Harrenhal. But we may be seeing what's known as the Year of the Red Spring, um, and this is why it's called that, because it was a year of tragedy, basically. So, big spoilers, people. Um, the year of the Red Spring is called that because Lena dies in childbirth, Lenor dies in a conflict in Spicetown, Amond, which is um, Alicent's second son, um, loses his eye to, um, I think it's Luke, which is one of Rhaenyra's kids. They get in a huge scuffle, and someone loses an eye. And then... Harwin dies in a fire in Harrenhal, oh, and no. I am not ready because there's a there's rumors that I think three different people could have done it. It's never confirmed who did it in the book, but the options, if I remember correctly, are Damon did it because he wanted to eliminate um, people who were competing for Rhaenyra's affections. Corlys did it because um, Harwin had children with Rhaenyra instead of Laenor having children with Rhaenyra. Or... Um, 
who's my third person? Viserys did it because Harwin had children with Rhaenyra. And I'm really wondering, based on the episode preview, if Viserys is the one who did it. Because one child that is not related to the father is one thing. However, three children that is clearly not related to Lenor in any way is a totally different thing. And you can see Viserys kind of contemplating something. So I am wondering if maybe Viserys is the one who orders the fire on Harrenhal. I am not ready. It's going to be tragic. And my heart is not going to be in one piece. <laughs> no, we need more Harwin screen time then if he's going to die. We need to have more screen time. Because... I know. So... Now I'm less interested in Kristen because I think he's a little bitch a little bit. Um, but Harwin, I'm interested in. So if he's going to die, we need more screen time. <laughs> I think we should get more screen time too because I've always... Harwin is one of my, like... You know, they have that thing called the OTP, like the one true pairing in a fandom, right? So obviously Corlys and Rainey's are my OTP. But Harwin and Rhaenyra, they can, they can hold it down. So I do also want to see more screen time because, you know, I always thought it was kind of tragic that he gets to be around his kids. It's kind of like a Jamie situation. Like, he gets to mm -hmm. be around his kids and his family all the time, but no one can know it's his family, even though everyone kind of knows it's his family. <laughs> he That's so heartbreaking. Like, I know. Like, he can never be obvious about it. Like, he can never actually be like, you know, this is my family. And then he gets sent away because of something someone said to insult his family. And then, you know, we lose Harwin. And I'm just, I'm not ready. And then, you know, obviously, because you know Rhaenyra, there's, you know, she and Damon get together in the future. So we're just going to, they're just going to be like tearing our hearts apart for at least the next two episodes in my humble theoretical opinion. But, um, and I'm just, I'm ready to see Kristen on Team Green. Like, in the books, I didn't really like Kristen. Like, I always thought he was bitter. But in the show, I totally understand. Like, I 100% understand why he would be on Team Green. And I am here for it. So I am ready to see Team Green, Kristen. Like, I am, I'm ready to see the salt. Because I do love me some drama between people. And I think Kristen and Rhaenyra and Allison are going to have some drama on screen. I'm really excited to see not only the older characters, but also the... Um, change up in costumes and like the what they're going to start wearing the dresses right so like the really intricate green dress and then the intricate red dresses that Rhaenyra is going to be wearing and that's going to be really fun to see yes there's one dress she has that has uh like the finery equivalent of dragon's teeth on the top of it and it's going to look so yeah. cool I'm so excited so um, last week's prompt, you know, because we've got our audience prompt, we want to see what you guys are thinking so you can tell us in the comments. Um, we There's a possibility still that um, Rhaenyra's oldest son might be Kristen's child, but lore-wise they were all rumored to be Harwin, so you guys definitely need to tell us what you think there. But this week we want to know which Westerosi wedding has stuck in your mind the most. So y'all need to tell us which one you think is going to stick in your head the most and what you think about Westerosi weddings because we think they are not the move. You should never go to a wedding in Westeros unless you ride a dragon into that thing and stay on the dragon the whole time. <laughs> well, it always seems like some people get married behind the scenes also. So we had like Rob Stark get married um, behind Walter Frey's back. We had Rhaegar and Lyanna Stark get married behind the scenes. And then we had now kind of um, 
Rain, Rhaenyra and Lenor kind of get married behind the scenes instead of having the big dramatic wedding. Now we have the festivities, but that always seems to go poorly. Stop getting married behind the scenes. I think people in Westeros should just not get married. And the thing about it is everybody was acting like this is such a big deal. And Damon was like, oh, I'm sad because you're going to be taken. And Kristen's like, I'm sad because you ruined my honor. But then they literally, everybody has agreements of, hey, we're going to get married for political reasons, but I'm also never going to sleep with you. So why are weddings always such a big deal? I think that in these care situations, it's purely political. And I think that it's just purely an arrangement of house names and who's got the most of what. So I, I all the relationships we've seen where they didn't get married, which reminds me, the vows they exchanged were not really traditional. It's the I am yours and you are mine. And that is a call back to Egret and Jon Snow people. And I thought that was so nice. So I thought that was pretty yeah. cool. But, you know, I think that their relationships, it's always complicated in Westeros. And that should be a T-shirt. It's always complicated it's always in Westeros. Complicated. Uh, yeah, so I, you know, and I often find myself wondering, like, how's it going to stack up? Like, how are these huge moments in House of the Dragon going to stack up compared to the huge moments in Game of Thrones? And I think they're going to crush it, but I'm really excited to see what you guys think in the comments. And don't forget to leave us questions. Like, if you have lore questions about this show, tell us in the comments. We want to hear about it, and we will answer your questions on the show. So definitely let us know, and we're going to be back every Tuesday on CouchSoup.com during season one to recap the latest episodes of House of the Dragon. Yeah, and then they get released onto YouTube on Wednesday, so be sure to hit that like button. It really helps us. Let us know in the comments, like Liza just said, what lore you'd like us to dive into, any questions you have, any comments, suggestions, anything about the series, and we will see you next week with all the fire and soup. Are you ready to go down the rabbit hole? The All Things Alice podcast will explore the cultural phenomena of Alice in Wonderland. Frank Bedore, the author of the Looking Glass Wars trilogy, is your host through a wonderverse of interviews from all types of creators as they chronicle the dark yet empowering reality of Lewis Carroll's fantasies and answer the question, what is it about Alice that captivates us still today? The All Things Alice podcast, available wherever you listen to podcasts.